Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Well, good morning, church family. My name is Kyle. If you haven't met me yet, that's my dad right there. And I'm so thankful to be a son of God (laughs) and a son of this house, someone who grew up in this church. And then about eight years ago, the Lord made it really clear that I was to come on staff and give back and serve my father in heaven's sheep, but also some of my dad's sheep as well. And there's such a blessing um, in just being in the house, just showing up. And that's going to be a part of my message today, just showing up. There is an inherent blessing when you walk through the doors and say yes to the family of God. And that's what each one of you have done today. So let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. The title of today's message is Accessing the Four Promises of Acts 9.31. And this is part one. My dad will do part two at the end of the month. Last Sunday, my parents co-taught an amazing message on some scriptures that had been lights unto their feet and lamps unto their path in 2022. And then, with the help of the Holy Spirit, they forecasted some verses that they believe will be like guidestones for us in 2023. Not like the Georgia guidestones, which God judged, like real guidestones from the scriptures. One of those verses, Acts 9.31, was highlighted to me as being especially relevant and weighty. I had originally planned to preach Psalm 23 for us on this day but I felt the Lord inviting me instead to simply reinforce and expound upon what the Lord himself spoke to my dad in that Acts 9.31 verse. And just as a little aside, over the years, I've learned to honor and respect and really just yield to what the Lord has been speaking to those leaders that he has sovereignly placed over me in authority. And that includes my dad. If I don't have a thunderous word or a clear personal direction, I'll just go with what God has already spoken to my elders. And I've found so much grace, so much freedom in this act of yielding. And believe me, I tried it for many years the other way, where I've gone my own way with a latent spirit of rebellion, and trust me, that never ends well. So in this good spirit of honor that the Lord himself has invited me into, as we honor what the Holy Spirit has already spoken to our God-appointed leader, let's look at Acts 9.31 here. Here it is. Acts 9.31. Then the church throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord And encouraged by the Holy Spirit, this church increased in numbers. So as my dad brought out last week, here are the four promises that the early church experienced in that specific season. These are promises that we get straight from the verse itself. First, they enjoyed a time, a certain season, maybe a year, maybe five years, maybe three months, but a time of pervasive peace. Second, 
They increased in that precious spiritual commodity of strength and stability within their inner man. And third, they increased in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And fourth, they were encouraged. They were infused with courage and boldness by the Holy Spirit himself. So as the title alludes to of my message on your notes there, if you didn't get the notes, just raise your hand. We'll have some hosts hand them out. My simple goal this morning is to show us how to practically access the first two glorious promises contained in this one verse. I want to give us, think of this analogy. The Lord showed me this. I want to give us the biblical ski lift tickets to where we can easily jump onto that heavenly chairlift towards higher measures of peace and higher measures of interior strength and stability. So let's jump on this ski lift together and see where the Lord will take us. So first we're going to look at the increase of pervasive peace from the inside out. Acts 9.31, then the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. A multitude of local congregations throughout these three distinct regions all experienced a time, a certain season of increased peace. And just so we know the gravity of this verse here, the only geographical places that local churches even existed at this time in history were those three regions of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Acts 9 happened before the gospel was spread to the Gentile world outside of Israel. So we can rightly say that the Holy Spirit was emphasizing an increase of peace and those other three spiritual commodities to the entire global church at that time. The whole known church at that time in history, every single believer was enjoying a time of all-encompassing shalom, a time of quietness and rest in their souls. How encouraging is this? This was a season where the Holy Spirit invaded and permeated every local congregation with tangible advances of wholeness and stillness. And that's why I'm calling it pervasive peace. It was pervasive into every heart, every home, every local church. And so what do I gather from this? So if we have the faith for it, here's what I gather. I see an invitation here that this verse may be something that the Holy Spirit intends to do again globally for the entire global church in 2023. We don't ever want to be presumptuous in our faith and our prayers, but at the same time, we are invited to follow biblical patterns and expect to see biblical power and results in their wake. Amen? Biblical patterns produce biblical results and power. But before we turn global in our prayers, let us first allow this verse to hit home in our own hearts and in our own congregation. So how can we, in 2023 Lakeway, gain access to this level of pervasive peace, this level of diffusive rest, this quietness of mind and wholeness of emotions? Well, I'm glad you asked. I just asked the question for us. Scripture has a lot to say 
and many keys and what I'm calling prescriptions that have been written by God for our benefit. These are biblical prescriptions that have no harmful side effects. And the only thing they'll cost you is the most precious commodity, commodity that we have, which is time. Now, before I give the prescriptions for peace, I must communicate this foundational truth that I've learned firsthand. It's a truth that the, that the Bible teaches plainly. It's the truth that all, all of our emotional health or sickness first starts with our thought life. All of our emotional health or sickness first starts up here with our thought life. We cannot change our emotions by focusing first on our emotions themselves. But our emotions can and will change if we intentionally change the subject matter of what our mind is focusing on. The heart and emotions will follow the meditations of our thought life. It goes this way. It goes downhill, downstream, just like God set it up in our bodies. Emotions are great followers, but terrible leaders. They're great followers of our thoughts, but terrible leaders of our lives. All emotions, both positive and negative, are downstream from our thoughts. Does this make sense? And so if we find ourselves in a place of worry or heaviness, who's been there? Worry or heaviness? Probably this week, yes. <laughs> the remedy is not found in that whirlpool of that negative emotion down in your heart. It's not found in the maelstrom, the swirl. No, the remedy is found upstream in the mind, in the thoughts that we choose to allow entrance into our souls. And God... <laughs> as the master equipper himself, has already equipped every believer in this room and worldwide with the ability to change the way we think. Through the gift of his Holy Spirit, we now possess the power and the ability to bridle our thoughts, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. He gave us the anointed Mind of Christ. 100%. The very anointed, oily mind of Jesus. A new mind that inherently has the supernatural ability to focus on things and subjects that will cause positive ripple effects downstream into our emotions. So summing up this foundational truth, changing what we think about will change our emotional chemistry. Changing what we think about will change our emotional chemistry. We are left not without help. We are left with so much help. Shifting our thoughts towards those subjects that God himself has directed us to think about will cause peace to flood and permeate our souls. Now what subjects has God directly told us to think upon. And just know, these are subjects that he himself has guaranteed with his immutable word to release peace and wholeness into our emotions. And God is not a man that he should lie. 
Quietness and rest will come to every soul who meditates on these three distinct subjects. And they are the Lord himself. All of Scripture. Second, all of Scripture. The whole Bible. Every little line in this Bible. And third, those things in general that are true, noble, right, pure and lovely, things that are of good report, virtuous and praiseworthy. Those eight things from Philippians 4.8. Guys, the choppiness and the turbulence of the waters of our souls will become still like glass as we choose to focus on these three subjects. These three subjects, again, being the Lord himself, the Bible, and those eight categories of things from Paul in Philippians 4. So for the remainder of the morning, let's take these one at a time. And let's view them and take them as three real proven prescriptions for peace. Now the first prescriptive subject or thought is the Lord himself. This is the very person of God that we are told to think about. Here's our verse. Jana, do you know this verse? Isaiah 26.3. You, God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Guys, just like prescription bottles, imagine this being a really big prescription bottle. Just like prescription bottles have directions on them, and that medicine will do us no good unless we take it as prescribed, so too do most of God's promises have directions and roles for us to fulfill in order to see the benefits occur in our lives. So what is our role in this specific promise? Again, I'm glad you asked. It's right there in the middle. Our role in this promise is to keep our mind stayed or fixed on the Lord himself. And let me tell you guys, he's a beautiful person to look at. You won't be disappointed. You will be ravished like we sang today if you give him a try. Just looking at him. That's my favorite thing in this life. Second is looking at Brooke. First, with the eyes of my heart, sitting in here, being like, Jesus, you're beautiful. You're so kind. You're always smiling at me. You're laughing at my enemies. You're laughing. You're so happy. It's the best activity that I've ever found. Truly, so I commend it to you. This is our part in the prescription of this verse. Guys, and as we do our part, as we simply think upon the person of God, God will in turn do his part. We don't have to worry about that. God promises to keep us in perfect peace as we fix our mind upon him. He promises to keep us in complete quietness of soul and in an abiding state of emotional tranquility. You see, we can't do that part ourselves. I've tried. I'm bad at it. We can't do God's part. We don't have the ability in and of ourselves to stay in perfect peace. Only God himself can do that for us. But what we can do 
is to keep our mind stayed on God. We can train our thoughts. Over time, doesn't happen overnight, but over time, we can train our thoughts to stay fixed on God's eternal character trait of faithfulness. Michael, you know the faithfulness of God. That's why you're here today. God has been faithful to you. Amen? And God would not tell us to do something that we aren't able to do with his grace. That would be cruel. And God is not cruel. Imagine me asking Briggs, my two-year-old, to drive us home from church today. He doesn't have the grace for it. That would be cruel, and we'd be in a lot of trouble. (laughs) So if God told us here that we can keep our mind stayed on him, it means that we can (laughs) at any time choose to focus on him as a perfect father and as a perfect friend. Tim, you're a good friend. You're a good friend. Thank you for being here today. And all of this, again, proves what I brought out earlier, the foundational truth, that in order to change our emotions, we must first change our mind. Emotions like this, Isaiah 26.3, perfect peace, are downstream of our thoughts about the Lord. This verse proves that truth unequivocally and gives us such a simple recipe to lasting peace. It's so simple, guys, but it's oh so powerful. Like, it really does work. There have been times that I come into this prayer room wobbly, shaky. I felt those waves of fear trying to dominate my emotions right here in the prayer room. But instead of trying to fix those emotions themselves, I've obeyed this verse by just fixing my mind on him. Thinking about his beautiful face. Thinking about his beautiful and perfect emotions. Not my emotions. Think about his emotions. And when I do that, I've caught a glimpse of that permanent smile that he has over me. Or heard a whisper of his confident laugh. (laughs) And right then, in those moments of clarity, when I just get a glimpse, those spirits of fear Really, guys, they have often instantaneously fled, and a rush of peace has flooded my being. Right there, when I heard a whisper of his laugh or saw a smile, instantly I'm better. You see, the devil hates it when we fix our mind on God's attributes. Demons run and cower as we simply choose to remember who God is. It really does work. It has worked for me. It worked for Jana in the fall, and it will work for you. Everyone say, it'll work for me. So let's move on now to our second object of thought that God intends for us to be a sure source of stillness. That's a lot of S's. Sometimes they get carried away with the alliteration. Forgive me. A sure source of stillness. But it's true. And that is, what's the second source? The scriptures, there's another S, fourth S. The scriptures, (laughs) the Bible itself. Guys, I believe we are guaranteed, like guaranteed by God to experience an increased measure of peace as we choose to think upon any and all of God's word. How? 
Guys, because each jot and tittle of this book was breathed and was inspired by who? The Prince of Peace himself. That title of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, do you know what that means? The prince, prince in the Old Testament meant supreme ruler, administrator, governor, the one who has all power to release whatever he's the prince of. So if he's the administrator, the governor, the supreme potentate of peace, that means at any moment he can flood you, inexhaustible resource of peace because it's who he is, and he inspired every jot and tittle in this book. Y'all got to look up tittle later. Just have your safe search on. (laughs) (laughs) That reason, the Prince of Peace, that reason, and also the Psalm 19 reason that we'll look at now, let's look at this amazing promise from Psalm 19. Psalm 19.7. Look at this. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. This law is perfect, restoring the soul. That's what that verse says. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's complete, and it restores the soul. I love this phrase. The law of the Lord is perfect. What does this mean? This means that the entire Bible is perfectly complete. It lacks nothing. It contains everything that we may need for all of life and godliness. Guys, the Bible is flawless. It is a complete spiritual meal with every spiritual macronutrient needed for us to grow into the full measure of the stature of Christ. So the law of the Lord, the Bible is perfect. But what else does this verse say about the Bible? It says that the law of the Lord restores our soul. The Bible restores and refreshes and makes new the soul of humans who read it. And what is the soul? It is our mind, it's our will, and it's our emotions. Mind, will, emotions. Everyone said that. Mind, will, emotions. That's the soul. It's three parts. So when this verse says that the Bible restores our soul, It's saying that the Bible restores and fixes the broken parts. We have broken parts in our mind, our will, and our emotions. It means that the Bible contains the power to change the wiring of our brain. (laughs) Think about that. The Bible has the power to change the very wiring of our brain, to create new, healthy neural pathways, highways of holiness in your brain. (laughs) new godly thought patterns. The Bible also contains the power to change the predispositions of our will. We'll want to do righteousness more as we read the Bible, like naturally supernatural. And then last year, this is where peace comes in, the emotions. The Bible itself contains the power to restore our emotions. The Bible itself contains the power to restore our emotions. It can change our emotional chemistry to where we begin to feel the feelings of God. Oh, there's nothing better than that. Feeling the feelings of God on a more regular basis. When we simply fix our mind 
on this law of the Lord, streams of peace begin flowing downhill from our biblically-centered thoughts into the wading pool of our emotions in the heart. Amen? How cool is this? The Bible fixes our emotions. So guys, let's think about the scriptures early and often, and especially when we find ourselves battling against a spirit of fear or worry. And like I say often, I am a satisfied customer with this thought subject. Five out of five, or 10 out of 10, whatever Yelp is. Was it five stars? Five out of five on Yelp. Guys, this works for me multiple times a week, if not daily. If I can just get into a psalm, right, Sherry? If I could just find a psalm where my emotions are and start thinking about those words on those pages, I can often tangibly feel increased measures, waves and waves of peace flowing into my inner life. It really works, guys. The most extreme example God did this to prove a point was from over a decade ago. Guys, I was in a psychiatric hospital coming off the heels of a terrible alcohol addiction that destroyed my body and therefore destroyed my mind. I didn't know what was up and what was down, really even where I was. You know who happened to be in the same room with me? It was Brooke's old friend from college and even high school days, who she was thinking about and probably even praying for at times because he was in such a bad state. He had taken some wrong drugs and it had messed up his mind. And so we were in the same room. I wouldn't meet Brooke for another four or five years. Someone she's praying for is in the the hospital room of her future husband. You think God is sovereign? Oh, he's so sovereign. So I had experienced two years ago, I was in a similar state, same alcohol addiction. I never got off of it. So two years later, I'm in a worse state. I knew back then that the Bible like miraculously got me out of that hospital within like 24 hours. So I went back to what I knew to work. I didn't understand anything I was reading. I just found words in red and started reading them out loud. I didn't know what I was reading. But guys, it was actively healing my emotions. It was actively healing my mind. It was actively healing my body. To where that other roommate, his name's Cyrus, he works for Nike now, he designs NBA jerseys, he's completely healed. What if it was because I was reading out loud the words of Jesus over both of us? You know what? This is, this is a testimony. I'm reading them out loud in red. Don't know what I'm saying or what I'm doing. Just know that it worked last time, so I'm going to try it again. He tells me, he's like, hey, Kyle. Because I had stopped at one point, you know, read for 20 minutes. He's like, hey, Kyle, can you keep reading? Can you keep reading? Because when you read, I feel better. When you read those words, I feel better. (laughs) The Bible restores our mind. It restores our body. It makes us feel better. (laughs) And God took me to the most extreme example because of my terrible choices to prove that point and deliver us both, right? (laughs) We FaceTimed him a few years ago when we put two and two together, and he was just like, we were both so shook. I changed my whole message that Sunday because I found out on a Sunday morning. Like, so shook. Right, Gen Zers? Shook. All right. 
Let's quickly look at the last prescriptive thought here. And it's those eight categories from Paul in Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or chew or think upon or rehearse in your mind these things. Then the end of verse 9 says, what's the result? And the God of peace will be with you if you do verse 8 and verse 9 and verse 7. <laughs> this verse 8 is sandwiched in between two startling promises of peace found in verse 7 and verse 9. And that's no accident. Guys, if we obey verse 8, meaning we choose to only think upon these eight categories in our life, then I believe we will avail ourselves of that famous verse 7 piece that passes all understanding. And we will put a huge target on our hearts for that verse 9 God of peace to be with us in a tangible way and draw near to us. Guys, these could be things in our life, just general things. That's what it is, just things in general. Things in nature. These could be people in our life that embody these characteristics. These could be conversations we've had where that was a lovely conversation. Just go back and think about that. That was a lovely time when we hung out a couple weeks ago, Ryan. You just think about that day and I'm, I feel better, right? These could be just certain experiences that we've encountered in general that fall under one of these eight categories. So really the third one is eight. So you get like 11, 10 or 11 uh, keys, subjects of thought, right? <laughs> so let's fix our minds, guys, on things and experiences in our life that are true and noble, things that are just and right, things that are pure and lovely, the things that are of good report, and the things that are worthy of praise. Amen? And I just want to take a moment. The joke I made earlier, I didn't mean to make that joke about the Google search. I that, that was a pastoral I said it, and I was like, actually, I need to pastorally make sure if they actually do search this, that there is a safe search on. So I didn't mean to have that, like, if there's any inappropriateness, I repent. I'm sorry. I just said it. I was like, I need to pastorally cover that, right, just in case. All right, love you guys. Thank you for letting me do that. All right, so before we close here, <laughs> let's take, it is funny. Let's take a few minutes to look at that second promise from Acts 9.31, Acts 9.31. Then the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. They were strengthened. Every single known church in existence at that time experienced a season of strengthening, a season of being built up and edified. That Greek word there for strengthen was used in the culture of the day to describe a physical house being built up. We got any builders in the room? You know what this verse means. It's a physical house being built up or a physical house being renovated or renewed. Who's had their house renovated and renewed? You know the process. That's what this verse means. So we can rightly say that during this season, each believer and every local church in existence was being built up and renovated in the spirit. 
Guys, saying it in terms we can all understand. The Holy Spirit was doing for that early church what Chip and Joanna Gaines have done for the fixer-uppers in Waco. We can all picture that. But again, this was in the spiritual metaphorical sense of the house of their hearts and their minds. The Holy Spirit was beautifying their hearts and their minds like only Joanna Gaines can do, right? The Holy Spirit was growing the muscle fibers of their interior life like Chip Gaines does to those houses. He was increasing their ability. I love this. The Holy Spirit was increasing their ability to handle tough situations and to not crumble under the weight of any external warfare that might come their way. He was helping their foundation, filling in the cracks in their foundation. Guys, he turned their weakness and wobbliness into strength and stability. Weakness and wobbliness into strength and stability. Oh, how I want him to do that here. Oh, how I want him to do that in my own heart. So how do we, in 2023 Lakeway, experience that same tangible growth and blessing? How do we see those weak and wobbly areas of our own lives become strong and stable pillars that others can lean on? Timothy, you're a a pillar primarily because you're going to do this first step that I'm going to mention. People can lean on you because you do this certain thing. I'm going to give us two quick practical exercises that will strengthen the muscle fibers of our inner man. One is personal. We do it by ourselves. The second is corporate. Corporate meaning together with a group of believers. And once again, I'm a satisfied customer (laughs) with these two simple exercises. Time and time again, I have been drastically and quickly strengthened by simply obeying these two principles. Whether I feel like doing them or not, and most of the time, I don't feel like doing them. And that's when I need them the most. They are, first, praying in tongues. That's personal. And second, simply showing up to meetings where other believers are gathering to fellowship with the Lord in an intentional way. Praying in tongues and showing up. (laughs) These two exercises have released strength and beauty to my soul week in and week out for as long as I've been a believer. And I've been better at it in certain seasons than not, and I can feel it. I can feel the lack of strength or the strength based on my obedience to these two principles. Guys, they've never failed me. They really have never failed me. And I want to commend both of them to you. So first, when I say praying in tongues, I mean that personal, individual, spiritual exercise where we pray out loud to God, to God alone, in a mysterious heavenly language. Oftentimes, guys, I have no clue what I'm praying, when I'm praying in tongues. But all I know is that spiritual strength is being actively conferred to my body, my physical body, my soul, my emotions, and my spirit as I do this. And I've got two scriptures. Don't believe me, believe the Bible. i got two scriptures to back this experience up. Jude 20. Jude verse 20. But you, beloved... You, even you in this room, beloved, building yourselves up, there's the strength, on your most holy faith by doing what? By praying in the Holy Spirit. 
Praying in tongues will build yourselves up on your most holy faith. And 1 Corinthians 14 makes it even more abundantly clear. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds up or strengthens. Who? Himself. He who speaks in a tongue strengthens himself. So clearly, this is a simple, amazing way to avail ourselves of this Acts 9.31 promise of strengthening. Guys, but we have to actually do it. That's often the hard part, just doing it. We have to actually pray in tongues on a regular basis. And my encouragement for us is to try and do it for extended periods of time. Try praying in tongues for 5, 10, 15, even 20 minutes straight and see what happens to your interior strength. It's going to be good. And come back and tell me because I want to be encouraged to do it more as well. Now for the second strengthening exercise, all we have to do is simply show up and get around other believers for intentional times of fellowship with the Lord. Guys, this can be prayer meetings. We have four of them throughout the week, really five. Home groups, Bible studies, Sunday mornings, you're all here. One-on-one coffees, outreaches, like we're doing tomorrow at 4 p.m. in the Capitol, and so much more. You know that saying, there is strength in numbers? There is strength in numbers? Well, guys, that saying is actually correct biblically. Ephesians 4 backs up this cultural saying. Here's Ephesians 4. He's saying we should get together and receive the ministry of the local church so that, verse 14, we should no longer be children. What makes an adult an adult? They receive strength and they grow up to be like six foot three like me. I wasn't always six foot three. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried out with every carried about with every wind of doctrine but speaking the truth in love you can't hear the truth spoken in love unless you're around other believers you may grow up grow up into all things into him who is the head that is Christ verse 16 from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working or the effective strength by which every part of that body does its share, causes growth of the body for the building itself up in love. Guys, this verse tells us that every single person in each local church is a different joint that supplies a unique measure of strength, power, and love. We need you. And so when every joint is in their proper place, functioning in their strength, doing their share, the body will supernaturally grow. It will supernaturally be strengthened. Let's all say, look at your own heart, say, I'm a joint. And I have strength to give. I'm a joint that has strength to give. Now look at someone else close to you and say, I have strength to receive from you. Thank you, other joint. (laughs) We're not going to rename our church Joint Church. (laughs) 
but we are joints in the church, in the body of Christ. Church family, I can honestly say, worship team, you can come up. I can honestly say that I leave every prayer meeting here more strong in the Lord. I leave every Sunday school teaching, every home group, more aware of God's goodness and reality. I may come in weak and wobbly, but I leave strong and stable. So thank you, church, for being a church that is alive. You don't just have a name that you're alive. You are alive because I actually receive strength from you. That's a sign that you're alive. You're living in, abiding in the vine. So thank you for being a church that is so strong in the Lord and one that freely gives away this strength to people like me who need it. So today, guys, in concluding the message today, we looked at the first two promises of this Acts 9.31 verse that my dad felt the Holy Spirit highlighting for our church family for this next year. We saw how the early church enjoyed a time of increased peace, rest, and wholeness. And we explored some biblical ways that we could experience the same. We saw how by simply choosing to fix our mind on certain subjects, we could affect a real positive change in our emotional chemistry downstream. We peered into those three main subjects, really 10 main subjects of thought that God has prescribed for our peace. Those subjects being the Lord himself, the scriptures, and that list of eight categories from Philippians 4.8. And after that, we just now looked at that second promise from Acts 9.31. We picked up two really practical ways that we could experience that same blessing of increased strength and stability. We saw how the practice of praying in the Holy Ghost literally strengthens and stabilizes our spiritual muscle fibers. That's what you do, Timothy. And that's why people can lean on you. I saw you during worship, you were just ripping it in tongues, strengthening yourself, and now I can lean on you even during this message. We then looked at how simply showing up to meetings can be a lift ticket to increase strength in the body, amen? Showing up builds strength. Simply showing up really builds strength. So let's stand to our feet now and respond to all of the truths we just heard. Sammy, you can go ahead and get those pages ready. So first, for that interior peace to increase from the inside out, we must first fix our mind on the Lord himself. We must think about him as a real person with a real smile and a real laugh and real arm hair. <laughs> and I've, guys, I found a really easy way easy and practical to accomplish just that. It's by going through the names of God that have been revealed to us throughout the Bible. You know that God named himself like so many different things? And within each of those names there, there is an endless ocean of revelation and encouragement. So to help us out here, and as a pastor, our main job is to help you, to equip you, to give you tools. Here's a tool. It's a piece of paper, but think of it as a wrench. <laughs> so to help us out here on this subject, I've printed out this resource that goes through all the names of God. So if you want to respond, if something in your heart was like, yes, I want that, 
I want to fix my mind on the Lord himself more, here's your help. If you want to respond to this and fix your mind on the Lord himself more in this next year, I want to invite you up now to come forward and grab one of these resources. I'm going to move these over here. So there's basically there'll be four lines that you can just grab one because it's front and back. That's all you need. So if you want to grow in peace, if you want help fixing your mind of the Lord himself, just grab one of these pieces of paper. Come forward now to help yourself out. Oh, I love helping myself out. Help yourself out in your pursuit of peace and wholeness. And just know the other two thought subjects that we discussed, you already have in your possession. You have a Bible, and in that Bible is Philippians 4.8. So you have the other two. This is just for the first subject thought matter. Now for the response to growing in strength, I want us to pray for anyone who does not currently have their personal prayer language. It would be unfair of me to give you an action step that you can't do. So I have the faith. Your kids got filled with the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues like right here when we pray for them. Like it actually happens when we pray and ask. All you have to do is ask, it might not happen right away, but it took me about three months of asking or desiring before I got it. So just know that if you don't get it right away today, keep asking, because it's a good gift that will strengthen you. There's only certain battles you can fight and overcome that you have to use tongues to do that. So anyone who wants to pray in tongues but hasn't been able to yet, this is for you. I wanna invite you forward now, be bold. This is a good gift, it's a good gift from the Father, he only gives good gifts. Be bold like you were at Christmas morning when you were five. Come forward to get this gift. Stay at the altar during the worship song and receive prayer from myself, from my dad, from anyone else in the room who has faith to ask God for this good gift for someone else in the room, the gift of praying in tongues, of getting your personal prayer language. So after the worship song, guys, we will have prayer teams, altar prayer teams. You can go ahead and come up as well to agree with you for any prayer subject on your heart. So let me pray first, then the worship team is gonna sing, and then after that, we're officially dismissed. So come up with any prayer needs, but specifically, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you want that good gift of speaking in tongues. So Father, I thank you so much for your people. I thank you for the sheep of your pasture in this room. You are the good Psalm 23 shepherd that restores our soul. Good Shepherd, right now I pray you would restore the emotional chemistry of every single sheep in this room, including myself. Good Shepherd, would you come in and put your hand on every heart, every mind. Would you heal trauma right now? Heal post-traumatic stress disorder right now. Come in, lay your hand, Good Shepherd, I pray. Restore our souls. And Jesus, give us grace. Give me grace to fix my mind on you always. Give this church an unusual ability, an unusual anointing to keep their minds fixed on you, fixed on the Bible, fixed on the true and noble things of Philippians 4.8. 
And God, would you strengthen us with divine might in our inner man. I pray that we would be a true pillar in the earth, not just in Austin, not just in Texas, but in the earth. Would this church be a marble pillar in your kingdom this year? Strengthen us with your perfect love, even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Marissa. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.